0: training camp is open for the Steelers there's not a ton of buzz maybe because it's on the south side and not in Latrobe maybe because it's not open to the public maybe it's because of the uncertainty of the times Maybe it's because people know it's unlikely to succeed if it's not in a bubble. Or maybe it's because people know the Steelers are going to be mediocre, even if they won't say it out loud. The Steelers are nine and seven team, and maybe they get the number seven seed in the AFC, that extra playoff spot, and then they get blown off the face of the earth in the wild card round by Baltimore or Kansas City. The Steelers just have too much uncertainty on offense. You're half reconstructing the offensive line, running back has very little depth, and the number one guy at running back is brittle. The receiving court is deep, but there's not a number one. We haven't seen Ben throw real passes, not yet. Eric Ebron, the new tight end, he's either going to be a star or he's going to be toxic because he's not a star. The Steelers' defense may be the best defense in football. But it's not going to get anywhere near 38 takeaways again. It won't get that kind of luck, won't get those kind of bounces. And anyway, the hype for the defense, it's just not that kind of league. You win with offense. You win by scoring lots of points. And it can't just be Ben. The Chippendales and the supporting cast on offense, if they suck like they did last year, Ben can't possibly play good enough. There were a lot of problems on offense last year, and Ben can't solve all of them. I know you marks think every year is going to be the year, but you thought that in 18 and 19, too. There is potential for good to happen, but it's only potential. Captain Emo brought you by 84 Lumber helping you build the right way since 1956, and by wall family heating, cooling, and plumbing. Uh, on top of that, regarding the Steelers camp, it's just going to be a boring camp with not much at stake. With no exhibition games, the lineup is going to be about playing it safe. Same thing with the roster. And in that vein, if you're going to play it safe, you need to keep Filer at right tackle and use Wisniewski at left guard, but I bet they don't. The big thing to watch for at Steelers camp is who gets covid and who opts out. I got a feeling a Steelers are going to opt out. I got a feeling somebody's going to go to camp, well they're there now, and look around and see the protocol and the safety, not dig it and opt out. And I bet Juju gets the rona cuz he don't care. He going to do what he wants to do. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call uh By the way, I looked it up. Gino has two more years left on his deal. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. But don't forget, he's married to a woman who works on Russian TV. So she's not here year-round, which means their son isn't here year-round. And I bet he wants to go back home at that point to play in Russia, his hometown team, Metalurg Magnogorsk, and stabilize his family. I hope I'm wrong. But that's just my guess, and it's steeped in logic. Although I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he plays here in Pittsburgh for many more years. Okay, here's breaking controversy. This is on Twitter. NHL fans are posting photos of themselves kneeling after players remained standing during national anthems. And the story reads, some fans have been critical of the NHL's response to the Black Lives Matter movement during the exhibitions in Toronto and Edmonton. Players remain standing during the singing of the American and Canadian anthems. And Camille Caramali, who's a reporter in Toronto, says, Comparison between leagues on addressing racial discrimination. NHL players stand for anthem, winking arms, draw praise from Eric Trump for not kneeling. NBA players wear jerseys with Say Their Names, Black Lives Matter on back. One of them sends a much clearer message. I would like to send a clear message right now, and that message is tough crap. Not everybody has to think the same way. That's fascism. The NHL is having displays of unity before their games. That has to be enough. And anyway, the kneeling now, the storming out before the anthem like the WNBA teams did, it's all showbiz. It doesn't matter anymore. And the NBA players, yeah, they had the option to wear stuff like Black Lives Matter on the back of their jerseys. Not all of them did. LeBron James didn't. He has James on the back of his jersey. At some point, just play the game. And at some point, just let us enjoy the game. And if you're thinking that my opinion on this has changed radically in recent weeks, yes, it has. And I'll tell you why. Because of what Deshaun Jackson said, and what Steven Jackson said, and what uh, Malcolm Jenkins said. I no longer feel like this is my problem like I once did. I'm worried about me, like they're worried about them, Jackson, Jackson, and Jenkins. And I'm not wrong to feel that way. I'm just not. Police ain't never giving me a hard time. Well, they did once, actually, but mostly they don't. So why do I want the police to fund it? I do want police reform. I think anybody who thinks rightly would want that. But uh, again, everybody should do what their heart tells them to do. And if I don't do what your heart says I should do, well, that's just, to repeat my phrase, tough crap. Not to be critical, 412-333-WXDX. Let's get those hockey calls coming in. Let's talk to Jason in the car. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey,
1: Mark, what's going on? What up? Hey, we, you were doing a lot of talk about Sid playing on the left wall on the power play, and I agree that it's it's the wrong call, but I was wondering if it's like a matchup based thing where Montreal has a really tough time defending the guy in that spot on the power play, and Sullivan just wants his best guy there.
0: Yeah, I want my best guy where he's done the most damage and has been the most effective in the past. I want my guy down near the crease getting deflections and a second bite of the cherry and being the best guy in puck retrieval on the power play in the league. Okay, I don't want my best guy on the left half wall by default make no mistake if Sid plays the left half wall he's there by default I do wonder whose idea it was Sid would at least have to approve it which by trying it he has yeah I agree I mean wh- who would you put on the left half wall if not Sid I mean are you a- are you approving of that do you think Sid's the the right choice there
1: no no I, I think it should be Latang, and Sid should be down low and I Think Hornquist just needs to be on the second power play. It just—I
0: agree with you. Except I think Rush should be on the left half wall. Rush scored eight power play goals.
1: Okay, yeah, I'd be—I'd be cool with that too.
0: Yeah, I just don't like Sid there. Period. And even if he plays terrific, I'm still going to think it's a bad idea because just because something works doesn't mean it's a good idea. It means a bad idea succeeded, and that's. Happened plenty of times, and I hope that's the case here as well. Uh, I'm curious to see what that alignment's going to be like. Game one at Montreal tomorrow night. Who goes where on the power play? And again, like Yoey said yesterday, we still don't know for sure who's playing where on the power play because they barely got it set up in their three opportunities in that exhibition game against Philadelphia. Any 3 3 four one two three 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 W X D X just around the corner. I'm going to give you all my first-round picks, East and West. A bit more detail in the East because by the time you get to the West, you're in the Stanley Cup Final, and we'll have plenty to talk about if that happens for the hometown team. Uh, we got Paul Stagge. Oh, Staggy, he joins me at 4.30. We also reported earlier Antonio Brown is suspended for eight games. Now he has to sign with the team before he starts serving those eight games. He can't sign eight games in and just play right away. So I'm curious to see if that makes him more or less uh, attractive to NFL teams. I would think more if only because now there's a finite a, a finite time when Antonio Brown can come back and play if he signs. I'm still not sure that means he gets signed, although I, I keep saying again, the more Lamar Jackson talks about wanting Antonio Brown, the more likely I think that is to happen and A.B. is clearly in Lamar Jackson's ear. Four one two three 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 wxdx It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 DX. X. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. Double M on the X four one two three 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 WXDX. Here are my picks for the NHL preliminary round. We got a couple calls. We'll put them on hold for a second. As noted, I'm going with the Penguins in three over Montreal, and I don't think the games are going to be particularly close, unless unless Montreal wins Game One. Heck, if Montreal scores the first goal, the entire city of Pittsburgh is going to panic. If it's a bad goal, they'll be burning Murray and effigy in Market Square. I wonder if Montreal's fans have any expectations at all. We're going to have Dan Robertson on at 5.30. He's Montreal's play-by-play man on radio. Maybe he can tell us. We got uh, Staggy at 4.30. Dan Robertson at 5.30. The best hockey talk in town here on the X. My other picks in the Eastern Conference are New York Rangers over Carolina in five. It looks like Carolina's top defenseman is injured Dougie Hamilton Panarin and Zabinijad could take that series over for New York. The Rangers were the hot team before the break, but that's not particularly relevant now. It looks like Shostarkin in goal for New York, and that's good. ABL, anybody but Lundqvist. Maybe my boys Stahl and Trocek can take over, but I picked the Rangers. I got the Islanders over Florida. The coaching matchup is interesting, Trots versus Q. Florida has lots of talent, scoring depth too. Five guys scored at least 20 and Barkov for Florida is probably the best offensive player in the series. But I don't trust Bobrovsky in goal, so Islanders in five. Columbus versus Toronto is a real peach of a matchup. Toronto has all that firepower with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and Nylander. Columbus has two great defensemen in Jones and Warensky. I think Jones is the best defenseman in hockey. Torch is a I hate to say a great coach, but he was the best coach this year. Probably going to get the Adams Award for Coach of the Year. So the coaching is a mismatch. The Leafs got some AHL guy. The Leafs are a better team, but whatever it is they never had, they still haven't got so. Columbus Blue Jackets in five. Out West, wow, I I keep trying to talk myself into Chicago making a series of it against Edmonton and McJesus. But I got Edmonton in four. Chicago's just washed up, except for Patrick Kane. All those guys who won cups, including Taves, just washed up. Winnipeg beats Calgary in five because of in goal. Nashville beats Arizona in four. Saros has taken over Farine in the Preds net, and it's about time. Nashville still has that great deep defense led by Roman Yossi, who is a Norris Trophy finalist and. Boy, Jones didn't make the finalist for Norris Trophy, the kid from Columbus. But then again, he was hurt quite a bit. Uh, If it ain't Jones, then Josie is the best uh, defenseman in the National Hockey League. Actually, it's Yossi, but I've made it clear I don't care when I mispronounce. And I got Vancouver over Minnesota in five. I like that big galutin' goal for Vancouver, Markstrom. And Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are the most dynamic players in that series. 412 wxdx I knew the pandemic would take its toll on small businesses and uh, I'm chagrined to say Slice on Broadway at PNC Park is shutting down. All the other locations remain open. That's my favorite pizza in town. Uh, what are you going to do if there's no ball games? Well, the fans can attend anyway. You can't sell pizza at the ballpark. And Antony's Ice Cream at the bottom of the hill here in Greentree, it closed down. It was open for limited hours. I thought it would stay open. I never got one more bowl of their Oreo explosion. Man, they closed down the Slice on Broadway closest to my house. No Oreo explosion. I'm having a bad week. Let's go to Glenn in Vandergrift. Glenn, you're on with Double M hi mark hey uh, with the long layoff
1: and jumping right into the playoffs i think he's going to be higher scoring games or lower scoring games and
0: like who's going to affect more the goalies who's going to be rusty goalies defensemen forwards i think goalies will be the rusty est because uh their their game is about repetition and rhythm and camp was short and they had one exhibition game so i'm not going to break the games are high scoring because if the shooters misfire it doesn't matter how rusty the goalies may be right but uh but I, I would bet the goalies look the rustiest of of all the players. Uh, if you made me bet on whether the Penguins Canadian Series is high scoring, yes, I bet it is high scoring. Uh, thanks, Mark. Thank you. 412 3, 3 WXDX. Just around the corner. Ah, Steige. From the Penguins Radio Network. He is a legend in the local hockey media. It's Paul what up next. And don't forget, tomorrow. From 5 till 6.30, I'm hosting a special pregame to the pregame as the Penguins get back on the ice. Hear all the action right here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. 105.9. He has been around as long as the Penguins have. It's a pleasure to welcome from the Penguins Radio Network, he is Paul Staggerwald Staggy. Montreal stinks, right? This is going to be a, <laughs> a blowout, right? Well, it should be. I, I think they're pretty their team, and I
1: think the Penguins you know, need to impose their superiority on them as quickly as possible. I wouldn't give them any life. Not that they would have a whole lot of life to begin with, because if you think about it, I mean, part of what makes a team motivated going into the playoffs is that belief that they can win, to win the Stanley Cup. And there's no way the Canadians can think that way. You know, the Penguins obviously have a strong belief that they're a, a tender. You know, if you go into a, a series in and in a playoff tournament like this with the, the Canadians not really believing that they have what it takes to win, it wouldn't take much to basically send them on the slippery slope towards, you know, uh, essentially their season ending maybe within three games. I, I think the Penguins could absolutely sweep the series and maybe
0: should. I hate to denigrate Montreal because of the tradition, but Carey Price hasn't been great since 2015, and it's T- uh, Tatar and Gallagher against Sid and Gino. for God's sakes. How can Montreal hang with Pittsburgh, Stogie? What should their approach be? What can they do? I think that the, the best way for them to win would be for the Penguins to beat themselves,
1: you know, and I and, and that's something that essentially could happen in, a, in an environment where the Canadians are playing a real structured system, a Claude Julien type brand of hockey that that you know his teams have been known to play, where they frustrate you and force you to turn the puck over, and then they counterattack and score on you, and, and essentially force you to make mistakes. I don't see the Penguins doing that because, I first of all, I don't think the Canadians have that structure. As much as, you know, a Claude Julian team often does have a certain identity, they don't seem to have it. And it's hard to get that, too, when you've been off for as long as they have and then suddenly, you know, have to have it against a team with the caliber of the Penguins. So that, that's, to me, the only way they can win is for the Penguins to beat themselves and you know, the Penguins have been known to do that against really good defensive teams. I thought they did it a little bit against the Islanders last year. Um, but the Penguins, uh, this past regular season, when they had all the injuries, really got to an identity that was as strong as any identity they've had under Mike Sullivan. They seemed to slip a little bit in that department, I thought, when Sidney Crosby came back. But, I think you know, if they can get back to that, playing the right way, and also with the superior skill and balance, and depth that they have, on defense especially, uh, and, you know, up, up front, obviously, uh, I, I don't think there's any contest here. I mean, and I know what you're saying about Kerry Price. And I think about Kerry Price, Mark, he, he played behind World Cup-caliber teams, you know. He, he's used to playing with the, the greatest players in the world when he played international hockey. And now he's playing with a team that that only the National Predators' top three defensemen play more ice time than the top three defensemen of the Canadians. That tells you that they don't trust their bottom three, their other three guys, and the Penguins I think are really going to be able to exploit that. And I don't think Carey Price is going to be really uh, too pleased with the kind of chances he's going to see. And as good as he is, the Penguins I think could overwhelm him.
0: What is Sullivan thinking when it comes to the goalies? I'm sure Murray's going to start, but where does it go from there? How long is the leash?
1: Well, for one thing, you know you have back to back games in these series for months, so. I would think that the Penguins are in a good position, you know, to use two goalies, uh, you know, regardless of who starts the first inning. I think Jari at some point is going to play. And I know what he's doing. I mean, he, he's rewarding Matt Murray for the success he had in the playoffs previously. Uh, he, he He wants to put him in the best position to succeed. And, you know, theoretically, against the Canadians – you know, he should be able to succeed, which I think would be great for him. Would give him the confidence that maybe he hasn't had at times during this regular season. So it's better to have a guy like Jari, who's never won, you know, in the playoffs at the NHL level. Have a guy who would ride in on a white horse and, and save the day, maybe, or be available to you if Murray goes down with an injury. So I think he's doing the right thing from a psychological standpoint to go with Murray and then wait to see what happens.
0: Well, getting back to something you just said, Staggy. Why can't a team rotate goalies in the playoffs? Is there a commandment against that? I, I checked my Bible. It's not in there. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, coaches feel comfortable riding the guy that they've,
1: you know, that has played well for them all year. That does isn't to say that they might not rotate. You know, I just don't think that there's a reason to rotate the goalies. The only reason you take a goalie out is if he loses. Uh, there's no sense in in playing the other guy, if the guy you have in there is winning. Now, it's different if you have back-to-back situations. I mean, generally coaches play in the other goalie in the second of back-to-back games. So, you know, Terry Price would play both of those back-to-backs. If, you know, it, it, but you won't see that with, with the Penguins. I mean, they'll, I think they'll use Tristan Jari throughout these playoffs, uh, whether out of necessity or because they believe that it's an advantage to have a guy at his caliber to be able to bring in and give uh, Murray a rest.
0: What's gone wrong with Matt Murray since 2017? And he hasn't sucked, Staggy, but he's not the same, is he?
1: I think his confidence uh, maybe was lost a bit when the Penguins weren't a very good defensive team in front of him. I, I think it's easier for bowlers to play in the playoffs because the guys in front of them are really more committed to blocking shots and, and doing the job they have to do in front of them in a the, the defensive zone. It's a more structured game. You know, there aren't surprises. You're playing the same team every night, so it's a little bit easier to dial into what you've got to do from a detail standpoint defensively, and that helps the goalie. It insulates for the goaltender. And I think Murray's track record of being good in the playoffs, a lot of it is because of that. And yet he still had games where he saw a lot of shots or maybe more chances than he, you know, he would on another night, and he plays extremely well because he'd had that confidence. I just think his confidence has waned a bit. And I think that's why I say if he can have a good series and have success against three, he can really help him going forward in terms of getting back into the kind of zone that he was in when he helped the Penguins win those two cups.
0: We're talking to Paul Steigerwald from the Penguins Radio Network here on the Mark Madden Show. Is the best-of-five series really that much different? Because, Staggy, you and me. We both remember all the upsets the Penguins nearly pulled back when, like Boston in '80, St. Louis in '81, and the Islanders in '82. The Penguins were huge underdogs, much bigger underdogs than the Canadians are in this series. And all those series went five games.
1: I know it's it's uh it's you know that month that, that Islander series was, if you remember, the last time the Penguins had a five game series. You know, the Islanders were absolutely dominant in the first two games. So much so that the owner of the team, the Penguins' owner Edward J. DeBartolo, offered refunds to the fans. He was so embarrassed, and that just made the fans mad. And it actually, it actually resulted in a completely different dynamic where the Penguins said, oh, "We'll show you," and they played really well and they kind of captured lightning in a bottle for a couple of games, tied the series, and almost won it. So you never know. I mean, it was clearly the Islanders were the were the superior team by a long shot, and they went, went on to win the Stanley Cup. What's different about this situation is. You have this long layoff. Uh, and, and, you know, you could say, well, the Canadians are just happy to be there. I actually think they're unhappy to be there. I don't know how happy they are. You know what I'm saying, Mark? I don't think they really are all that excited about embracing this thing uh, the way, you know, say the Penguins are or other superior teams that really do believe they have a chance to win. And don't forget, if the Canadians lose, they have a chance to get the number one pick overall. And he's a French Canadian. So from an organizational standpoint, Uh, They know they're going nowhere, and I would think that Mark Bergevin and the other people in that organization uh, will be sort of happy uh, if they don't win this series against Pittsburgh.
0: Well, actually, it's kind of win-win for them. There's there's not a bad result that can come out of it. Now, Staggy, what should the Penguins do on the power play? Because it was a mess against Philadelphia, and to say I absolutely hate sit at the Kessel spot would be an understatement. Well, I, I think that the power
1: play is really what it always has been. I mean, it, it, when it's successful, it's because they're shooting the puck and they're retrieving loose pucks. They're, they're outworking the penalty killers of the other team. When the Penguins have the best power play, that's what they do. And you can't have a situation where you have players winning battles for loose pucks unless you shoot the puck. You have to create that second opportunity for players to converge on the puck, win the battle, and then off of those retrievals, that's where the Penguins can ad-lib and use their skill to score power play goals. If they pass the puck around meticulously the, around the outside of the box and try to make perfect plays through the seam and that kind of thing, and they don't get the puck to the net, they're not going to be successful. They have to shoot the puck. If they if, if a puck if a shot is blocked, they got to get to it first, and that's when they can make plays off so a scramble when the other team's out of its you know, comfort zone defensively. And the other thing, Mark, I think the Penguins have so many options of the power play. They can come up with so many different combinations. I think it's incumbent upon the coaches to actually use them because I think the element of surprise is really important in the playoffs. Teams scout you. They know what your power play does. They start to actually know what you're going to do before you even do it. You keep them even with different players, different combinations and different looks and you keep them off balance and that helps you throughout the course of the playoffs.
0: Uh, one of my options would be Brian Rust, staggy and at the Kessel spot, too, because I was shocked to realize that he led the team in power play goals. He led the team in PPGs, and he's getting no consideration for the first unit. It is
1: amazing. I mean, you know, he got there out of necessity. He had, he had never played the power play before this past season, and he went out there and started scoring goals on the power play, you know, fitting right in with the fact that he was scoring at even strength. I agree with you. He's a weapon over there. He's a right shot on that left side. And I think that the Penguins have that option. And I wouldn't be surprised if they use it, you know, pretty readily. But, um, you know, it's the old story, Mark. We've seen it in Pittsburgh for years. Guys who have become accustomed to being the top power play guys always seem to get deferential treatment. And, you know, they have to really stink before the coach takes them off of it and tries different players.
0: How do you figure John Marino? That exhibition Tuesday against Philadelphia, Staggy, it was crap. Both teams were crap. Almost everybody on both teams was crap. And John Marino was great. He just knows no other way, does he? Uh, he's amazing. I, you know, am I allowed to say he's the best defenseman on the Penguins team right now? I, you know, I, I right, love him. Right I love this way. second, Staggy, I think you're right.
1: I love the way he plays. You know, He has that 10-2 skating style where he kind of slithers you know, laterally. It allows him to escape pressure. And he's so calm. He has a real high panic threshold. Another thing I love about him is he doesn't waste time getting pucks to the net. And he also kind of gives you that little fake where he can kind of decide he's going to carry the puck around, a, you know, a penalty killer or a forward, and actually take the puck to the net. Uh, there's just so many things to like about him. He defends really well. He's, he's calm under pressure, and uh, I just I'm just amazed. Now, I saw him mark in that prospect tournament. In Buffalo and training camp last September. And I texted Bob Berry right away. I said, John Marino will play in the NHL this year. And uh, but I was really amazed. I think everybody was that not only did he play in the league, but you know, he was really good right from the opportunity that he got early in the season. So, um, you a really valuable guy. I think the Penguins are a team that's more successful with him in the lineup. When he got hurt, it hurt them. So, uh, they need him. And I do think he's a, a number one power play guy in the making. I actually think he might be their best quarterback on the power play someday. It might be right now, but, you know, again, they give those other guys deferential treatment.
0: How much will the Penguins' depth figure in, especially up front, Staggy? Because people talk about the obvious gap in star power between the teams. I think the Penguins have far more depth, too. I I don't think that's anything close to an edge for Montreal.
1: No, you're right. And, you know, Montreal, here's what's interesting, you know, I remember seeing Philip Dan O playing uh, as a rookie for the Chicago Blackhawks. We were doing a game, and uh, I remember talking on the talk back as I was calling the game to Bob Ery. I said, "I really like this Philip Dano I mean he looks like a good two way player I like him. and I, and I sent a note to Scotty Bowman and I said, "I like Dan O, and he sent back, will he score the question mark and they ended up trading him <laughs> to Montreal and The thing that's interesting is. No, he might not score a lot, but he's their number one center. I mean, he's definitely overcast. I mean, that's not his—that's not his role. He, he's not a number one centerman, and that's been the problem for the Canadians for a long time. And the last number one center they had was Saku Sakuyu. You know, and I don't think that uh, they're a team that can beat you when they when their number one center is Philip Danilo, and you've got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. I think Suzuki's a good centerman. Cook uh, and Yemi was was really good his rookie year. He's a third line center, but he, he fell off this year. He wasn't very good. So I just don't think they have the depth or the balance or the size. They've got speed. They've got tenacity. Uh, you know, they got Shrey Webber with the big shot, and they got Carey Price, but I just don't see it. I, I just don't see them having the identity of the Montreal Canadiens right now. And the Penguins have to quickly get to their identities as, and as I said, they have to impose their superiority quickly. Put them out of their misery and move on.
0: I'm a big believer that this receding is such a big edge to whatever team in each conference gets the number one seed. And I think it might be the death of the Penguins, Staggy. If if I would pick one reason why the Penguins won't win the Stanley Cup, it's because they're going to probably have to beat Boston, Tampa, and Washington in a row after playing Montreal. This reseeding is a big factor, isn't it?
1: It really is. And, you know, when you look at the physicality of those teams, that's the one thing I worry about with the Penguins. You know, they've never been a team even when they won the two Cups. You know, Mike Sullivan used the term chip bodies, chip bodies. You know, they had Ian Cole as a physical presence. I think Jack Johnson can bring that, and I think he's going to have to. But I don't, I don't know if they have the jam uh, to, to sustain that over three you know, series against those teams that like to push them around. So it's really, I think, that much more important that the Penguins' power play is really clicking because they can keep teams from taking liberties against them, and that's exactly what they're going to try to do. And, you know, the thing I worry about a little bit, too, Mark, is, you know, I I like when Sid and the kids were put together years ago. At first, they really racked up some points. They were scoring. They looked really good together, working down low in small spaces and making those little give-and-goes that they can make. And then teams started to take advantage of the fact that they were working down low, and they started burning them to the other end. And they started forcing them to play defense, and they weren't particularly good at them. If you remember, they went on a stretch where they had a lot of minuses, and they had to break that line up. So, That's something to keep an eye on, to see if that line, as good as they can be offensively, might be vulnerable defensively. And you don't want Sidney Crosby in a mode where he has to become the conscience of the line. He's always the guy who's high and worried about getting back, because you want him forcing the issue offensively. So, much as I love that combination in some ways, I also think it's one you have to keep an eye on, particularly as the playoffs where maybe not so much in this first series, but when you get further, deeper into the playoffs, they're going up against some big teams that are going to try to capitalize on that, and I do think that they'll be vulnerable.
0: Staggy, I agree with just about everything you said all segment, and that is a testimony to your hockey IQ. Thanks for joining me, <laughs> and enjoy the series. All right, Mark. It's wonderful to be as smart as you on a given day. <laughs> That's Paul Staggerwald. I'm Mark Madden. It's time now to Ask Mark Anything about hockey. We are adjusting the extra segment of Ask Mark Anything from now on through the remainder of the Penguins' time in the playoffs, it's ask Mark anything about hockey, hockey only. I'll say it one more time: ask Mark anything about hockey right now. Four one two three 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 W X D X nine. Staggy with a real good point. I shouldn't sound so surprised when I say that. I suppose, but that the Sid and the Kid lines got found out over the long haul, and got beat up physically and forced to play defense and. Their shortcomings showed, and that may yet happen again, but I'm sure Mike Sullivan has a plan B if it does. When you have Evan Rodriguez and, uh, well, I'm freezing on the kid's name from uh, Wampum. Not Wampum, that's Stephen Johns from Dallas. From uh, up north. Uh, Anyway, when you got two guys who had good camps and could easily be in the lineup, and aren't because of the depth you have ready to go, that's a good thing. And it also means if somebody falters, whether it's a Connor, Sherry, or whoever, they could easily be taken out of the lineup. One thing the Penguins need to do is utilize all their resources. And Staggy made a good point about the Sydney Kids line. He made a good point about moving guys in and out of the lineup, even at goal. Time to ask Mark anything about hockey. Brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Adults 21 and over. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's go to Matt in Bethel Park. Matt, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Who's your favorite hockey player who's never played for the Pens? Uh, of all time or right now? All time, I'd say. Yeah. All time, probably Mike Bossy, the play for the Islanders. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Currently, probably Austin Matthews. I really enjoy watching Austin Matthews. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I love those who's your favorite questions. They're easy to answer. Is it really Austin Matthews? I, I hate you no, know, that's weird because I hate the Leafs. But I think Austin Matthews is so much fun to watch. He's just a a guy who looks to create his own shot, looks to score. He's just the right amount of selfish. I also feel a bit bad for him because he's the token American on a team where two of the other stars are homegrown in Toronto, namely uh, Mitch Marner and John Tavares. And when the Leafs screw up, the American's going to get blamed or damned with faint praise. Let's go to Chad in the car. Chad, you're on with Double M. Hey Mark, I was
1: watching the exhibition game, and it looked like the advertisements that were on the boards—not all of them, but a lot of them—were similar to the to the Penn game. I mean, are, are they switching out ads like local? I ads don't,
0: I don't know saying? this, Chad, but I assume they are. I assume uh, between every game, they're going out and taking one set of advertising down and another set of advertising on, uh, and okay. that makes sense because it's easy to do. Heck. The Penguins, I don't know if you go to games, but if you watch between periods, mm-hmm. they change some of the advertising between periods. They sell yep. some of the ads by the period. So it's easy to do, and when you're not able to sell tickets and you're in the bubble, as the NHL is, you got to maximize income any way you can. Sounds good. I was wondering. Thanks. Thank yous. Let's go to Steve in the car. Steve, asked Mark anything about hockey. Hey Mark, got a question? Jason Zucker, could he be the missing
1: link that everybody's not talking about, forgets about?
0: Well, in playoffs? I think I think he's he's has his share of buzz. I mean, I thought he played pretty good after coming over in that deal for Minnesota. Don't you? Actually, I do. I went to the one game. I think he had two or three goals.
1: Two goals in the game. He, he started coming around real well. Well,
0: here's what then, could happen. If that Sid and the kids line doesn't work out, Zucker jumps on the Sid line. Marlow jumps on the Malkin line. Sam Lafferty, that's his name. I finally remembered it. Sam Lafferty jumps in the lineup. I think that's the plan B. It certainly would be my plan B. Yeah. Or, or nobody- you, know, you know what else you could do, but they won't? You could put McCann up with Malkin or Sid and have Marlow center the third line. Because he's like an old-school playoff-style center, if called upon. I just noticed nobody's talking about him. He seemed to be doing well when he got towards the end where we all suffered this COVID thing. And it seems like a missing link that no one's talking about. He's been playing well towards the break. Missing link implies we don't know where he is. I know where he is. He's on the Malkin line, and I expect him to have a a good playoff. All right, in 30 seconds, I'm going to go briefly to football talk. And that's because I like to hate on football. Or at least not take it so friggin' seriously. And then after that, I want more hockey calls. We got Dan Robertson, the Montreal Canadiens, play-by-play voice at 5.30. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.